This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly. In for Big Daddy Graham. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494. Um, in the next segment, we'll get to some of this sound from Chris Long that I've been talking about from his um, Green Light podcast uh, as he spent a decent amount of time on the Eagles-Browns game and just kind of going through what's going on right now with this team. And, and Chris Long, obviously a guy with a different perspective and a guy that, that doesn't hide the fact that he roots for this team. And, you know, he, he likes Carson. He likes Doug. Um, he likes the Eagles organization. I'm not sure he likes Howie so much. <laughs> I have a feeling he's not a huge Howie guy. Um, but certainly a different perspective as somebody in the organization. So we will uh, we'll, we'll play some of this Chris Long sound for you um, next segment. 215-592-9494. Uh, but the main point of the show tonight is long term. The Eagles are going to have to make a decision at the end of the year. We are now three years, almost three full seasons post-Super Bowl. And that's also post-Frank Reich, post-John Filippo. And whatever the dynamic was on that team in 16 and 17, because even 2016, I mean, Carson's rookie year was pretty impressive. I, I came out of that year feeling very confident in him long-term uh, because of... You know the way he carried himself, the the way he the way he played behind, um, you know, an offensive line that year that that I think had uh, significant issues when Lane Johnson was out. Certainly, um, you know, especially for a rookie, it's different with a rookie playing behind a a, a shoddy offensive line than it is a um, a veteran, a five year veteran playing behind an offensive line that has some issues, but. You know, I felt great uh, about his future. And obviously after 2017, felt great about his future. But, you know, things have spiraled. Things have regressed to the point where it's clear that that combination is not going to work anymore. And the Eagles are going to need to choose. Carson with a new coach. Doug with a new quarterback. Um, I would choose Doug, but I'm wondering uh, where people are at right now. And hey. Are you at the point where you would you would just shuffle both of them out? Uh, let's go to Donald in Chester. What's up, Donald? Yeah, I mean it's. I mean, I guess it's a close call, you know, both of them, you know. But but I think in the fifth year, I just think yeah, I think I, I think Wentz Wentz definitely needs to be held held accountable. You know, I've been I've been one of those people that's been trying to trying to think that is that is Doug cause more of a balanced attack, you know, that, 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 uh, you know, that Carson would be much more effective, you know, but you made a, a, a really good, good point because watching uh golf and, and Brady last night, and really it was even in those attempts, it was even looking at both of them take five yard completions on first down, you know, just right. in the most case, I mean, now on the one play that probably could have put the, the Rams up at one point was when golf golf tried to go for the post um, instead of the deep crossing route. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That when play. Golf. Yeah. He went deep to Reynolds and it yeah. looked like he had woods. So, yeah. so you, you know, and, and you know, me as a Carson Wentz fan and, you know, I, I look and I, I have to bring up Nikki six, you know, is that he, even though the circumstances may be a little different, but you know, Doug has won. You know, with uh, foes, you know, and and it seems that, and there seems to be a struggle with Mister Wentz there. So you know, I I believe he 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 definitely needs to take a step back. I don't know, 
you know, what's going on with them. And, yeah, I mean, that, that safety is just unexplainable. Yeah, you know, and no, and Donald, I it's funny you mention that because I'm I saw the same thing with the Monday night game where there were so many plays in that game where whether it was Brady or Goff, it was three steps and the ball was out, and their offensive lines weren't giving them you know uh, large amounts of times to throw the ball, but it was just staying on rhythm and getting the ball out. And so right. many of those it, completions, Carson just doesn't does just doesn't see, make Brady, those. And Brady was, you know, I mean, Brady tried to take his shots down the field, but for the most part, he was patient because right. the Rams, they don't really give up anything down the field. You have to work it down the field. Right. And it's just amazing to see, you know, Brady willing to take what they give, you know, on top of handing the ball off. And that's where, you know, I got to a point to where now, Doug, you know, I, I still remember the Rams game and, and even, you know, Sunday, a, a, a few games where, he has made 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 an effort to run the ball, you know, some and and Carson has still went out and just his failure to just keep the chains moving. Where, you know, I mean, I I mean, I'm like, wow. I mean, I don't know what what to say about you now, because because the truth is, no matter how much you run, when you throw the ball, you you still have to make the right pass. You have to make the right adjustment. You know, if there's something you need to change in the hot route, you know, there's a, you need to be able to do it, right. you know, because it's part of what the playbook presents. So right. I just, I don't know, but I just think that if, if I bring up Mr. Hertz, I'm, I'll make this point. Mr. Hertz probably would run, you know, the, the offense accordingly to what Doug would want until he becomes much more, you know, familiar with the ins and outs and the whatever adjustments he needs to make. So definitely I just, yeah. I just think Wentz is, is really, he probably needs to take yeah. that back yeah. somewhere. Yeah. I got you down. I appreciate the call. And I, I like, that's the way I feel too. Like I honestly feel like it would be beneficial for Carson Wentz to sit down for a game. And what's interesting about this is Doug has brought this up in the past in regards to other players as it being beneficial. He brought it up when when he, you know, tried to justify putting Jason Peters back in. It was the justification he made for Malata, is that Malata can learn by sitting on the bench and watching. And maybe that is what Carson Wentz needs, is a different perspective. Because at some point, you just got to realize he's not going to play his way out of it. It's not happening. And... I saw the exact same thing that Donald did on Monday night where you're watching that game and the offensive lines weren't great for either of those teams. I mean, the Rams are playing without Whitworth. He's their best offensive lineman. He's their left tackle. Like, he, he's the guy that anchors their offensive line. Their offensive line's not great. Sean McVay didn't try to hide Jared Goff in that game. Sean McVay threw the ball 51 times. And Jared Goff was taking completions underneath. He was, uh, I mean, oh, it's a novel concept, but getting the ball out quickly. And, you know, when you hold the ball forever, it's not, it shouldn't be a shocking thing when you're getting sacked at the rate Carson Wentz is. You know, it's not just that he's playing behind this awful offensive line. Um, Jason Peters is awful at that point, at this point, but... Uh, at some point, you just got to get the ball out, get it out quick. And, you know, that was that Brian Baldinger play we played last segment. That's exactly what happened on that play. Short completions there. Carson didn't want to take it. Uh, let's go to Alex in Queens. What's up, Alex? Hey, what's up? You know, let's operate under the assumption that Nick Foles is a terrible quarterback. A lot of people like to say, you know, he's benched for Minshew, which is true. So based off of that, I just want to remind everyone, 2018, the St. Louis, the Los Angeles Rams, made it to the Super Bowl, and they held Tom Brady and the New England Patriots, who eventually won the Super Bowl, to only 13 points. Doug Peterson, this same play caller and same scheme, had a back horrible quarterback in Nick Foles have 30 points before, in the middle of the third quarter in L.A. against the Rams, who obviously made it to the Super Bowl. The next week against the Texan team, who was 11-2, and two, Doug Peterson, this play caller, had Nick Foles, a terrible quarterback, throw for 500 yards, okay, I also want to remind you, the Chicago Bears in 2018 were the best defense in the NFL. They were also historically, on, on many metrics, one of the best defenses of all time with Khalil Mack. Doug Peterson got a backup quarterback, and I don't care how Foles played the rest of the game, whether he played good or bad, it's irrelevant. 
against the number one defense in the NFL in Chicago, knowing that all they have to do is make one stop and they don't they make the, they win a playoff game and advance to the next round. All they have to do is hold a backup quarterback, prevent him eighty yards from scoring a touchdown. What does Doug Peterson do? Get the backup quarterback to go downfield eighty yards against the best defense in the NFL and won a playoff game in Chicago. Then the next week, if Alshon Jeffrey makes yeah. the catch, all I'm trying to say is this play caller won many games with a horrible backup quarterback. So how can this guy be the problem if he literally – we know he called all the plays in the Super Bowl against Belichick. He's the same aggressive, gutsy guy that made those calls, regardless of who, who came up with the scheme. He's the one that made the play calls. And then the next year, a team that was 5-6, and six, who, aside from their two tight ends, Alshon Jeffrey and Aguilar were average players at best that year – and obviously we saw what happened in 2019, and this year they're, they're average players. He got a backup quarterback to take a 5-16 and six team and make a deep playoff run. So what I'm saying is we've seen this coach perform at an extremely high level without Carson Wentz. We see Carson Wentz, who, by the way, if he's going to be a good quarterback, you look at any quarterback, whether it's Phillip Rivers, Russell Wilson, these guys have had a million different offensive coordinators, Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady, all these guys have had all kinds of coaches, okay? Yeah. Look at uh, Russell Wilson. He had Darren Ravel one year. The next year he had Schottenheimer. You look at uh, Ben Roethlisberger one year. It's Bruce Aaron. And they're good every year. Right. They're either a good quarterback. So my point is if you need a coach to be good, if you're the worst statistical quarterback because of a coach who's won five playoff games without you, then you're not a good quarterback. I so, I, I, I got you, Alex. Sorry, got to let you go. Got to move on. But no, I get it. That was a, a good rant there by Alex. A lot of, a lot of energy. Um, but... I agree, and and it's my point for why I'd stick with Doug over Carson. If it not if it comes to that when it comes to that because it's going to come to that at the end of the season, um, because we have seen Doug you know succeed with other quarterbacks and Carson um, is regressing under a similar coaching staff. Obviously, people will point to the Frank Reich thing and the John D. Filippo thing, but where I kind of push back on that with Carson is. Was he, last year, was he at 2017 level? No. He was much better than this. And he didn't have Frank Reich and John Filippo then. And last year, you know, were we bashing play calling a lot last year? Maybe I'm misremembering. But I don't feel like we were, like, had a huge problem with Doug's play calling last year. A lot of angst was directed at the receivers. And the weapons around Carson. And I actually thought last year that was fair. I was I was saying that as well. But I, I I just I don't buy this idea that overnight, essentially, from last year to this year, Doug Peterson just became this terrible play caller. And he is sabotaging Carson Wentz. It just doesn't it doesn't add up. Like it doesn't make sense. It, it it's what people want to believe. Because it's easier to believe that, it's easier to accept that, than it is to accept that the quarterback's just not the same guy anymore as he used to be. When that's, in my mind, more likely the reality. Let's go to Mike in Glassboro. What's up, Mike? What's up, Tom? What's going on? Uh, I have a Sixers thing, the Ben Simmons thing, and the Carson Wentz thing. I'll do yeah, one sure. thing first, stay yep. on topic. Uh, I think the, the run balance... Uh, pass balance thing. I, I don't like that because they, they're saying like, oh, you got to run the ball and run the ball. But if you got to run the ball to hide your quarterback's uh, poor play, that just makes no sense. You might as well not even have a quarterback. Right. you got to have a quarterback you're confident in throwing the ball because if you can't balance the run pass with a good throwing quarterback, what's the point of having a balance at all? Mike, it's crazy because I went and I looked this week at, at all these teams and their run pass ratio, and unless it, you know, there are certain games where the Steelers won twenty-seven to three. So obviously they're not going to throw the ball a lot. But any of these teams that were in a close game with a good quarterback, they're all throwing the ball disproportionately more than they're running the ball. Right, Andy Reid loves throwing the ball. I think Mahomes' arm's going to fall off sometimes watching them play. They throw the ball almost every down. Now with the Edward Solaire guy, they mix in the run a lot, but still, good quarterbacks throw the ball. That's what they do. They throw it. I like Wentz, but that's a poor excuse for him. And then I'll go into the Sixers thing real fast. Mm-hmm. Ben Simmons, I heard the, somebody say, oh, he's got to shoot three-pointers. Not three-pointers. He's got to shoot a 15-footer. No, it wasn't. Jimmy Butler, who is a decent shooter, this year in Miami, he was just a four-year. He was passing scoring inside, defense. He wasn't really shooting that many outside shots. He was just setting his teammates up. I think Ben Simmons, if they surround Embiid and Simmons with shooters, have Embiid dominant in the post 
force double teams out there. Simmons drive in and kick out to actual good shooters like Seth Curry, like Danny Green. I think the Sixers are fine with Simmons taking no shots whatsoever. If he's going to miss them, why make him take them? That's my, like, yeah, no, Mike, I totally agree with you because I brought that up the other night and, and it does, you know, it, it is true that people who didn't really watch the playoffs this year won't really understand it, but Jimmy Butler plays a completely different style of basketball in Miami than he played when he was with the Sixers. When he was with the Sixers, you know, obviously Sixers didn't have much shooting. He had to shoot threes. He had to shoot mid-range, but you're right. Like this year in the bubble, he got pretty much all his points 10 feet in going to the line kicking out the shooters he he doesn't shoot from the outside anymore down there right he had elite shooters Duncan Robinson Tyler Hero even guys like Kelly Olenek were making a three here and there he didn't need to shoot and if they can surround Simmons and Embiid and have Embiid stay in the paint and Simmons do his thing in the transition and defense and all that team set up great I don't I don't see the reason why Simmons needs to shoot no, I'm with you, Mike. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for the call. And yeah, it, it is true. Like if you watched Jimmy Butler in the the playoffs this year, he plays completely different style now, and it's all based on the roster surrounding him. And it it proved it could work. Um, where Jimmy Butler is scoring all his points from eight feet in, basically. Uh, nope, they're not even guarding him from three. Like you'd watch Jimmy Butler in the postseason. And he's being defended the way Ben Simmons is defended, uh, where he is is not shooting at all from three, not shooting at all in the mid-range. And, um, yeah, and uh, we actually have sound from this where Sam Hinkie was on that Pablo Torre ESPN Daily podcast a couple weeks ago, and here was uh, Hinkie say, comparing those two players, Butler in Miami and Simmons with the Sixers. And that, that's the point I was making uh, earlier on when we were talking to Mike in South Philly is that I don't think Ben Simmons does need to learn how to shoot within the flow of a game. I just don't. Well, and it was proven with Miami in the playoffs. Jimmy Butler does not do it. Uh, that's how he scores. He was driving. He was getting contact at the line. Uh, he was getting contact, getting to the line, making his free throws. And when he when uh, they were overhelping and defending on him, he kick out the good three point shooters. And I think Daryl Morey saw that, and that's how he's building this team. When you go out and you get Seth Curry and you get Danny Green and you get guys who can shoot from the outside, um, that's the way you need to surround a player like Ben Simmons. So you know that uh, that Mike. Gus, uh, you know, feud that's going on here. Yeah. Disagreement, I should say. What, do we have an update? Yeah. Are they going out on Twitter? Well, no, uh, Gus just called in for a, uh, he wanted a summary of what Mike said. Oh, okay. Is he going to send him an air check? I told him to download the radio.com app and go and rewind. Come on, Gus, listen to the podcast. Gus can listen to the podcast. Yeah. If if you feel like podcast today. All right, great. Yeah. (laughs) I did it last week. No, no, I know. I'm just messing with you. Actually, I have it downloaded right now. (laughs) I'm just just messing around. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. Brian and Jeff, I see you guys. We'll get you when we get back. Also, I want to get some of this Chris Long sound from his uh, Greenlight podcast. Uh, He touched on all the things going on with the Eagles right now. So we'll get to that when we return. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP.
Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham. In a couple minutes, uh, we'll play this Chris Long sound for you. We also have our football guy segment coming up. So many great things uh, in the world of football guys this week. We have great speech from Indiana's head coach after a loss um, to uh, to who they uh, Ohio State. That's right. And by the way, Justin Fields. I don't know. I'm not sure about Justin Fields. He didn't look very good in that game. Did you watch that game, Mike? Did yeah, I did watch it. Uh, I didn't yeah, think he I played mean, he very well. Game. He had his first bad games. Yeah. Um, isn't, isn't it Josh Fields? That's what I said, right? No, Justin Fields. It's Justin. Yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. Yeah. To, yeah um, so we have uh, that coming up. A great Mike McCarthy story in Football Guy segment. Um, and also, Dabo Sweeney. Just This guy's a moron. He's just a dope. So that, that's you, part of it as well. Why didn't you tell me there was a football guy doing the Eagles game? On Sunday. Oh yeah, I forgot. I meant to text you. I had the sound. I had the sound down. I was listening to Marilyn Mike, so I missed it. I know. I was. I was. I was. Um. I was hoping he's going to throw a man one hundred and one in there. Uh. But (laughs) Nick. I mean, the Nick Chubb run. He could have called that a man one hundred and one. Yeah. By the way, what an embarrassing effort by Joe Ostman. Poor guy gets called up for the first time. And he got basically posterized uh, in uh, how you can in football, just stiff-armed into oblivion. I never want to see him again. I never want to see him play another down in Neal's uniform. What a disgraceful effort by Joe Ostman. Nice NFL career, Joe. Uh, you know, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't bring him back again. Uh, 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Let's go to Brian Norristown. What's up, Brian? Hey, Tom. How you doing? Good. How you doing, man? Good, man. I just wanted to start off. I like your guys' show. I love everything you guys have been doing in 2020, getting us all through. Thank you. I did want to touch base with you about holding yourself, like holding callers accountable. Okay. So I called in around like maybe May, like right around when the, like the official lockdown was slowly ending. Okay. And I called in with an idea and you called me irresponsible. (laughs) And then the caller after you, who I'm not going to say who it was, said that I like I was the thing that was wrong with people. Oh and wait, 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 wait. Let me think if I can remember this. You, I, brought I'm up, you brought up some sort of idea about you wanted people to all tailgate down outside the Phillies games. Is that correct? But like stay in their car, yeah. You didn't and say you, stay in their you, car at the time, Brian. I don't think you said I that. said I would sit in the back of my truck. But, but you, I meant it more like watching like concerts, comedy shows. Okay. Or I think my initial idea was like just put a Phillies game on the big screen and we all watch it in our cars for the camaraderie of other people. Maybe I okay. Well, if that's what you meant, maybe I misunderstood. I thought you just meant everybody go down and tailgate. No, I didn't together. mean like running around drinking or anything. That's like what that. I thought you meant. That's why I thought it was irresponsible. Yeah, because after I hung up with you. And it's one of your usual callers. Like, you guys ripped me in the next call. And I'm like, man, I feel really bad about this. I'm not calling Tom ever again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sorry, Brian. I misunderstood you. But I at least I remembered the call. I remembered. I remembered yeah, I'm surprised you, you did. Yeah. And actually, it was funny. Like, a week and a half later, you guys were doing advertising for, like, the comedy shows down there. And I'm like, son of a gun. That was, like, like what I got ripped on the air about. Oh, well, I'm, so, well, I'm sorry, Brian. Did you join like the Fandemic crew down there? That must have been, you know, no, maybe I you inspired have. that idea as well. <laughs> My other idea was, uh, do you think like a uh, Carson Wentz means like a Josh McCown still? Like I mean, somebody older under him that can be like, dude, you're getting in your own head. Well, McCown didn't really seem to be helping earlier this year before he, he left. Yeah, so. that's true. I mean, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what it is, Brian. I, I I honestly think he needs some sort of a wake-up call, and I think the way to wake him up is just sit him down, even if it's just for a half. Just see what happens. See what happens with Hurts, and if it doesn't look any better, you go back to Wentz, and maybe it'll light some kind of fire under him because just the hearing him speak after games and – you know, it doesn't seem like there's any urgency, and I think there needs to be more urgency with him. Yeah, I agree, and it just, I, I, yeah, I don't know what it is. I think he needs, I also think he just needs, like, he needs somebody next to him telling him what to do. I wish, I, I don't know why you don't see Doug Peterson on the sidelines talking to him more. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough to know. I appreciate the call, Brian. Thanks. It was nice to hear from Brian. I'm, uh, I mean, I'm sorry that he was so, you know, hurt by our comments. Um, I just, it was just a misunderstanding. I misunderstood 
what he was saying. I thought he was thro- talking about let's just throw massive parties with people outside of games, and I kind of thought that defeated the purpose. I was impressed you remembered, though. Yeah, well, it, well, when he said we called him irresponsible, I remember. I I thought that was what it was. Uh, but yeah, I I, I remembered. Was, you're not you're not the working? only one with a good memory around here, Mike. Uh, it must have been a day I wasn't working. I don't remember that call. Yeah, I would I would say Mike and I probably have the two best memories at the station. Uh, I have a, I have a good memory, uh, like you do. Uh, not not as good as you do, but I think we both have have good memories. Hmm. So I don't know. I'm trying to think who would be. <laughs> I can't think of a less appealing topic for a future show. Who has the best memory <laughs> at, at WIP? At you know who has a big, uh, a good memory too is the Big Daddy. The Big Daddy does. Yeah, he can remember. Like he can tell us. He can probably remember very obscure things. Yeah, I mean, I guess I can't prove if he's making it up or not, but he could tell a story from like a show in like 1987 and like have every detail. Really? But again, I. I you know, who could verify it? What's funny is just the topic we're talking about tonight, the Wentz the stuff, it's so funny because speaking of memories, um, and the, man, how have the tables turned since then? But um, it was, I think it was the day after Christmas of 2017. And yep. I was working at Chickies and Pete's with uh, John and Ike. Um, and... Me and Ike were having a very spirited argument because it was the day after that Eagles Raiders game. And I was saying the season was over. There's nothing we could do without Carson. And Ike was arguing, we don't need Carson. We got Nick Foles. We got Doug. The Eagles can get it done without him. And look at how things have turned a couple years later. I want Carson out of town. And Ike is leading the LTBB community. And things have really, have really changed, haven't they, Mike? He. That is a pretty good take by him. I didn't realize at the time that he said, don't worry, they don't need Carson. Ike was, uh, Ike, and I, I was, because after that Raiders game, I was broken. I, I thought Foles was terrible that night. Yeah, he, he was, but then he was even worse the next week. Well, he only played like two series. But it was bad. Like, it was it bad. Was bad. Yeah, but um, yeah, just crazy though, that I used to be, this is how bad Wentz has played. He's, he's turned me off completely. I was a big fan of me after last year. I was bashing the Jalen Hurts pick. And uh, now I've I've lost all confidence in him. Uh, let's get Jeff in the airport here. What's up, Jeff? Tom Kelly, four four. What's going on? Not much. Uh, this may work and it may not work. Um, I'm going to see if we can get. It works for various quarterbacks. How Andy Reid uh, used to get Donovan warmed up, and it may work and it may not because we don't know uh, if we can do that first play deep ball. Uh, Andy Reid used to give Donovan every game. Oof, throw a deep ball. Because I think it seems like Carson is, sh- is shell shocked uh, for some reason to uh, to release the ball. Yeah, it, it does. It does, Jeff. And um, you know that that's a problem. Obviously, I mean, you can't be indecisive, especially when you do have offensive line problems. Like I'm not saying the Eagles' offensive line is great. Um, they're obviously uh, you know not very good, and they have issues. But that makes it even more important for the quarterback to get the ball out quick. He's just not doing it. I mean, do you think it? Would, I mean, we got quarterback. Andy Reid is a quarterback whisperer. Uh, something uh, of a, of that nature. Give Carson first play, throw it deep. I don't care if the guy's open or not. Throw it deep, but don't uh, underthrow it. At least overthrow. Get it out your system because he reminds me. You said uh, RG three earlier, but remember Pittsburgh got uh, from the AFL, uh, uh, XFL Tommy Maddox. The dude was uh, MVP material until he got hit with a concussion. And that was the end of it. And I think that concussion went took last year. The Eagles didn't complain to the NFL enough. Uh, we, they just should have got uh, Jadavian fined, and we should have got some kind of uh, concession out of that, some kind of pick because, you, as you see, and I knew it was going to be lingering, we've lost the quarterback yeah, from, no, from that hit. No, I got you, Jeff. I appreciate it. I don't think that the, – the, and this is where we, we jumped to so many conclusions to excuse the play – I don't think that Carson, because somebody suggested this to me on Twitter earlier. Uh, I don't think Carson is, you know, mentally messed up from that Jadavian Clowney hit. I just think he's not playing well. Um, and I, I don't think the Eagles deserved a draft pick uh, because of that Jadavian Clowney hit. Um, but they need to find a way to get him going, obviously. And, you know, um, it's interesting hearing different perspectives on this. And I was, I, I listened to a little bit of Chris Long's podcast because. I, I 
I always think his vantage point on things going with on with the Eagles is is interesting because it's so different. You know, a guy that played here on that team that won the Super Bowl in 2017, uh, when Frank Reich and John D. Filippo were here, um, and also played on the team the following year uh, when John D. Filippo and Frank Reich were not here. Um, and played with Carson, played with Nick. Obviously, he was the guy who started the Nick Full Shrine uh, thing that was going on in 2018, and and you know played under Doug. And Chris Long has an intimate knowledge of this organization, and uh, obviously a deep knowledge of the guys on this team. And uh, I I fast forward to the point where he talked about the Eagles game, and I thought he had a very a couple very interesting things to say in regards to this team and Carson Wentz. So we'll start with the Carson stuff here. Um, Here is Chris Long and his appraisal of Carson Wentz's performance uh, in Cleveland on Sunday. Carson's first game came against Cleveland in 2016, and he lit it up. Things weren't much better around him offensively, and that year didn't have a ton of experience. So the question is, like, who is this guy? And who's this team, okay? I'm not just going to lay it on Carson for the next three and a half, four minutes here and not talk about the team. It is a comprehensive problem in Philly. But when you're the quarterback and when in 2019 you got broke off, people are going to look at you, okay? Like, listen, the Miles Sanders fumble was crushing, okay? Because you want to lead against the Browns in the rain. You You score there, the game probably looks totally different. Not Carson, right? Okay. The Jeffrey interception, the one he's throwing to Alshon, maybe if Alshon times his jump right, I don't know. Not the best throw. Also, it was an awkward play. I'm not going to necessarily hold those things against him. Uh, He also threw a dangerous ball in the end zone, but that ball might have been caught. If there's a bigger body receiver there that's that's going up and getting it, I I don't know. Like Some quarterbacks make that throw and, and, and receivers come down with it. Okay, there were drops, not him. Guess what, though? When you lose by five points and you score nine points for the other team, you're the reason your team lost. And, you know, that's what it comes down to. And we talk about the other issues, and yeah, there are issues. The the receivers, um, I mean, I don't think the receivers have been that bad this year, to be honest with you. And I... I the, the Alshon play was, I thought that was a weird play call. Alshon didn't look like he did the right thing. I guess he can give Wentz the benefit of the doubt on that one. I don't necessarily give him the same benefit of the doubt on the Fulgham one um, because it was four guys right around him. Obviously, they got the benefit and it was called incomplete. But it does come down to what Chris Long said there where, yeah, there are other things going on, but you lost by five. And you were responsible for Cleveland getting nine. You threw a pick six, and you took a safety. Like, And in the end, that is what cost your team the game, and that is going to bring on a certain level of criticism. And, you know, to get back to the pick six, uh, here was Chris Long with his analysis of what happened on that play. The crazy part is in the rain, in the beginning of the game, he was making some nice throws. And then the pick happened. The pick happened. And you're like, again, dude. And I know that Richard Rodgers missed a block, but the little hesitation it took before the ball got there in the flat is all it took for the pick six to happen. And in a game like that, it's just like we don't need to get we don't need to do teams any favors. That you know, they're they're dogs on the on the road. You throw a pick six on the road to start the game off. I know it wasn't the first possession, but to concede the first points, things are generally not going to go well. Yeah, and you know, it's what we've been talking about all year with the turnovers and the issues um that that this team has had. And there are a couple more cuts from Chris Long, including one about Jeffrey Lawyer. We'll play that when we get back. Also, we'll talk to Buzz and Jerry. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP.
Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. Is, is this a blues traveler, Mike? Is that the correct band? Yes. Wow. How about that? I got one right. I got a music one right. Um, yeah, probably a little less. Fa- I mean, yeah, significantly less famous than Kid Rock. But more in my, I guess, my my time range. I don't know. Well, they, they were about the same same time, I'd guess. Late 90s, early 2000s. Is that right? Yeah, I don't. I don't. That's like their second biggest hit. They had um, "Runaround." You know, that's oh like, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, I remember. So um, like it's like it's an infamous like no, it's a very normal song. I'm just you know, I was glad I got one right. Maybe that's what we'll do. What I, song was that? I don't know. It's Hook. Okay, I, I would have never gotten that, but I remember. I, I knew the name of the band, so we're starting to move in the right direction. Yeah, um, uh, were you listening at 11:45 today? Uh, PM. Like last time with Jody? No, I, I must have just missed he that. He came back with Jody. the Kid Rock thing, and he applauded Tucker, the bagman, for picking out the perfect song for him to open with. Why is that the perfect song for Jody? Is he big? He, is he really a big Kid Rock guy? I don't know. I I guess I'll have to ask him that next next week. There, on the crossover. I have a crossover topic. Yeah, exactly. Oh, but I'm not talking to Jody next Monday night. Monday night football. Um, I don't think that topic will expire, though. It'll mm, still be. Yeah. So yeah, and, and so you're not in next Monday night, and you're not in. Why aren't you in next Sunday night? Are you just taking a night off? Taking a night oh, off. All right, that, sounds good. The Eagles games. It's like taking down twelve hour shift. All right. Well, I guess I'll see you in two weeks after tonight, then, Mike. Uh, so, um, actually, no, I will see you Monday night. You'll still be in here when I get in. So I'll see you then. Two one five four nine two nine. I'll work more Monday night than you will Sunday and Monday combined. There you go. Maybe that's true. Uh, 215-592-9494. I'm also working on Thanksgiving night and Friday night. So I think I got you beat there. Uh, so take that. <laughs> um, Taking a holiday, let other people get, get There you shifts. go. You're, you're such a good guy. Yeah. Uh, we'll get back to the Chris Long stuff in a minute. First, let's go to Buzz in Buffalo. What's up, Buzz? Hey, how you doing, Tom? Thanks How's it for going? taking my call. No problem. Yeah, um, so I'm calling uh, You know, from a, a neutral. Like you said, I'm calling from Buffalo, so I'm a Bills fan. So calling from a neutral perspective, just on the Philadelphia uh, quarterback situation, so a couple things. Uh, you know, you spent the second-round pick on Hurts, which I never understood. But, okay, you did that. I wonder if that even shook, you know, Carson Wentz up a little bit. Could be, but whatever. If that's the case, then he's too fragile to be your, your franchise quarterback. Right. But you got to get him – you got to start playing him because if you win that division, you're going to be drafting 19th. You know, and if you don't win the division, you're probably going to be drafted in the top ten. And you guys need help in so many other places that you're going to need that, that draft position in every round. And you got to see what Hurts is. You got to see what he's all about. I mean, you took him in the second round. It's a total wasted pick if you're not going to play him. The guy never gets in the game. So that, that's all, about all I got. But I appreciate Philadelphia. Well, um, love the city. Love your show. Take care, bro. All right, Buzz. Thanks for the call. I, I should have got in there with uh, Buzz's. Uh, prediction, the the Rams prediction, which has gone wrong here uh, from months ago. But Buzz is right. Um, and I, I was, you know, I'm always against, especially in the NFL, the tanking for draft position. In the NBA, I, I, I think you have to do it. You just have to sometimes when you're in a certain situation. The NFL, um, I'm not as big, uh, uh, you know, a fan of it and, and, I, I wouldn't go into a season thinking that way, obviously. But there is a benefit to having a top 10 pick, and it's much less about the first round than it is about having that pick in every round. Um, because you look back, when's the last time the Eagles drafted really high? 2013, uh, when they had the fourth overall pick. And look at their first two picks that year. Lane Johnson, Zach Ertz. Two picks that, I mean, have set them up for the close to a decade at those two positions. Now, obviously, this year hasn't been as good with um, Ertz and, and Lane Johnson both dealing with, with injury issues. Um, but, you know, if the Eagles aren't going to make the playoffs, it w- wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for them to really bottom out and end up um, with a higher draft pick, even if they don't intend to take a quarterback. Uh, let's go to Jerry and Roxborough. What's up, Jerry? Good morning, gentlemen. How's it going? God, I think Carson and Doug are both playing with their hair, doing their jobs with their head up their butts. At some point, Doug's got to grow a set and say, Carson, you go sit on that bench until you learn 
how to get rid of the football. Just like any other job, you do it poorly, somebody wises you up. And on Doug's part, when Austin Scott has three carries for Boston Scott, I'm sorry, has three carries for 65 yards, maybe he deserves a fourth carry. Or when the weather is really bad in Cleveland, maybe they don't throw the ball 41 times. Uh, both people seem not to adapt to situations. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I, I push back on the Peterson thing a little bit. I didn't think they threw the ball way too much on Sunday. I know I'm in the minority with that, but they threw it 35 compared to 25 rushes. I know it was rainy, um, but... You know, I I didn't think they threw the ball too much on Sunday. Well, you got a quarterback who's not throwing the ball well, and you got a running game that is working well. And I'm not one of these nutbags that says you got to run, 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 run. But to abandon the running game in the second half, it's unacceptable. And Carson accounted for nine of Cleveland's points. Yeah, I think that's the that's the bigger issue there, Jerry. Is is he yeah. accounted for nine of Cleveland's points? But yeah, I I, I get your point. So. But, uh, no, I think that uh, Carson deserves to be sat down. I'm yeah. going to say to him, dude, when you learn to do your job, you can play again. And maybe it reaches him. And if he doesn't, you haven't lost anything. Right. Exactly. And I appreciate the call, Jerry. Thanks. And that's that's the thing to me uh, that that I would be very interested in how he'd respond. Because what you're doing now isn't working. Like, uh, this idea of you know, constant encouragement and we're going to back him a hundred percent and we're going to keep sending him out there and he's going to play through this. It's not working. So at a certain point, you got to change your approach and who knows, maybe he'd respond. Well, maybe if you benched him and he said, we're going to play Jalen, be ready. You know, you still can tell him be ready because if things aren't going well, you're going to, you might go back in. So be ready to go. Maybe that would get him mad. Maybe that would get him angry. Because right now, one of the issues with Carson that bothers me is the way he's talking after games. And I know uh, we can read too much in press conferences. I think for in Andy's entire career, I mean, just look at how we look at Andy and we look at Buddy and the difference in their press conferences. And, you know, uh, we read way too much into that, uh, especially with coaches. But with Carson, I think he really takes something from it. Because he, do, he doesn't seem angry. He doesn't seem to really even know how bad things are. So maybe you need to wake him up. And maybe the only way you wake him up is to say, you're going to the bench. And if, you know, and, and at a certain point, you get another chance, maybe he'll come back in and he will play with that reckless abandon that he played with early in his career. Because that's the way he's got to play um, to be successful. But... You know, you look at this situation, and, and Mike and I have argued about this uh, in the past, and, and it became a question uh, in the press conference on Sunday about whether Carson has the ability to, or whether Doug has the ability to bench Carson. Angelo followed up again on Monday morning, and Doug said, I do. I 100% have that ability to bench Carson Wentz. Whether that's true or not, you know, I guess I'll take the coach at his word. Um but I, I would think people would have plenty of reason to be skeptical. And part of the reason why you'd have reason to be skeptical is because of Jeffrey Lurie and Jeffrey Lurie's affinity for Carson Wentz. And as I said, I, I like to hear Chris Long on these topics because he's got such a unique viewpoint being a part of the organization. And uh, Chris Long talked about that on his podcast as far as Jeffrey Lurie and the fact that he is a big Carson Wentz fan. So they just paid him in 2019. You know, Doug, after the game, people are asking, you know, Doug says he, he doesn't bench him because it's, it's, um, it would be the wrong move for the football team. It would signal something. It would send a clear message that this thing is over. Well, I think for one, he's acknowledging that Hurts doesn't necessarily look any better, but more importantly... Because you got to understand, they know these guys in and out. At this juncture, maybe Hurts isn't the clear answer. But more importantly, Jeffrey Lurie loves Carson, right? And I'm not saying whether he's right or wrong, but the owner likes the quarterback. 
And I think Doug probably likes the quarterback too. I don't know what Doug thinks if Doug plays a favor with Carson. I don't know if Jim Schwartz likes Carson. I don't know if Howie likes Carson at this juncture. I don't talk to these people, okay? But the owner likes Carson. And right now, if I'm the owner, I'm looking down and I'm saying, what happened to my MVP, right? Because he was on an MVP track in 2017. He hasn't looked the same. If it's just injury, it's just injury. But you also paid him 2019, a year and a half ago, you broke him off to be the quarterback of your future. And now you can't get like anything out of him? I think that's a real interesting part of it. When when you look at Jeffrey Lurie's impact, and we we view Jeffrey Lurie as an owner that is not meddlesome. He hasn't been a meddlesome owner in his history here, at least as far as we know. He he stepped in in 2015 uh, when he needed to step in and got rid of Chip and put Howie back in charge. Um, but I have always thought that this Wentz decision is way bigger than Doug. And I still believe that to be true. Now, uh, we'll, we'll see whether, you know, if that is true, if Jeffrey Lurie and Howie have a change of heart, and if at some point they would, uh, I don't know about allow, yeah, I guess allow Doug uh, to bench him, even though Doug says it's his call. But uh, Jeffrey Lurie obviously likes Carson Wentz a lot. He said as much, and Chris Long has been with the organization, seen it firsthand, uh, reiterated that right there. And there's one more from Chris Long. Um, when you look at the issues on this offense, uh, his appraisal of exactly who's at fault. You see what I'm saying? Like, Carson is absolutely to blame for his mistakes. He needs to fix them. He needs to be smarter with the football. He needs to be less stubborn. He knows that, I think. Until he makes these mistakes. It's like something clicks. Be more decisive, you know? But also, once a quarterback has shown that, and now he shows you this, do you think he's just you think he's in debt or something? You think he's you think he's throwing games? Like he's trying to win. Something is going on, whether it's schematic, physical, or it's just the personnel where it's a it's a train wreck. You just paid him a year ago. So either acknowledge that you made a huge mistake or that you're not getting everything you could be getting out of this quarterback. Now it's raining. He got hit a lot. He's still throwing to a misfit group, but they've gone three straight, three straight games without seven points in the first half. They go two and 12 on third down after going 0 and nine last week on third down. If I'm the owner, I'm asking why the guy I paid last year is being outplayed by Taysom Hill. The guy who had an MVP season in 2017, why is he getting outplayed by Taysom Hill? If you just think Carson has suddenly become that bad, I don't know, maybe. Or maybe it's that, and it's that they're not dialing things up correctly for him as well. And that's the question that needs to be answered. And yeah, if I was Jeffrey Lurie, I'd have a lot of questions about what's gone wrong uh, as well. 215-592-9494-215-592-9494. When we get back, we will uh, wrap up the show and do our uh, football guy segment for this week. A lot of great um, just football guy stories this week. We got some sound for you. Uh, Tom Pelissaro of NFL Network describing what Mike McCarthy did to to uh, motivate his team, the great Mike McCarthy. Um, and we will we'll play that sound for you. And also an unbelievable postgame speech by Tom Allen, the Indiana head coach after their loss to Ohio State. So we'll get to that next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Let's talk some football. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you for one more segment here. Um, talking about the Eagles most of the show, uh, Carson Wentz, Doug Peterson, all that stuff. We do have to get our fantasy football update in. We'll do that at the very end of the show. Uh, we have our football guy sound coming up here. We never got to uh, really, we, we did some Sixers stuff, but not much. Um, never got to the Phillies either. Uh, so, Mike, I'll just bat these back and forth at you real quick. Um, I was actually disappointed 
to see Austin Rivers sign with the Knicks. I actually wanted Austin Rivers here. I thought he would have been a nice addition as like a little more, you know, depth at the 2-3 spot. I was disappointed and surprised to see that. I thought it was almost a guarantee that the mid-level exception was going to go to Austin Rivers. I heard you say that over the weekend, and I I disagreed with you a lot, mm-hmm. um, just because like he's not worth five million or whatever the mid level is. If but he got five million. Yeah, I I don't think he's worth. It. I think he's he's worth like closer to the minimum. Really, yeah. I, I like him. I think he's a good player. I, I thought he was pretty good yeah, for he's, Houston he's last year. He's all right. He's I mean he would have made sense as a backup um, point guard here because he he can play with Simmons if. Like I mean, what he's he's probably you would say just he's a is a better Hollow Neto, right? So who so the backup point guard Shake at this point, right? Unless they're signing somebody else to the minimum who they think is going to be better, it's got to be Shake. They got nobody yeah. else who can handle the ball, really. Uh, Maxi to lesser, yeah, but Max, I I don't see him being thrust into a significant role right away. Yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, they do need I think somebody else like uh, another wing guy, Corkmans. Right. I forgot about Furcon. Yeah, Furcon, the, the other day we, no, he's. I mean, come on, Corkman's better than Thibel. Ah, no, no, that's not even close. Corkman's can't defend anybody. He can't defend. Thibel can't score. He can't defend me. Um, can't. So uh, I, I don't know. I'm not a big fan. You, you wait, Mike. Thibel is going to have breakout year, you, and you're going to look stupid again, just like you look stupid on the Jason Peters thing. You, you're. I, I still don't look wrong about Andre Dillard. You were wearing your number 71 jersey to work. You were doing all this stuff, and now yeah. you have to eat it. So, okay. I actually, I don't even know what number – I don't remember what number Dillard wore last 77 year. is okay. his number. I have the jersey in my closet. But yeah. anyway, um, and real quick, Mike, I, I got to get your thoughts on it because I'm not really um, – I don't know much about this guy. I saw Philly's Twitter going nuts over the weekend. Do you mm. have anything on this pitching coach for me? Yeah, Caleb I, Kotham. Is that how you Caleb Cotham? Cotham, yeah. How I remember it being, uh, yeah. I mean, I remember him being in Joe Girardi's bullpen for the Yankees. He wasn't that good or you know memorable. Yeah, I, well, I saw like uh, Phillies people raving about this guy, and it's like, okay, what is there a rave about? I don't know. They were they were like, oh, you know, he's a, he's you know a, a really uh, got a good reputation. It's like so did Brian Price. What did Brian Price do? Brian Price at least had a reputation. I, I can't. Whoever said that, this guy doesn't have. Well, anyway, I, that, that's just what I saw. Okay. I, I don't know anything about him personally. Uh, but we'll see if the Phillies hire a GM. It looks like they were interviewing a guy from the Dodgers, Kingston. Uh, Jeff Kingston, I believe. Is yeah, it? he was a finalist for the Angels. Um, that would be that'd kind of be a weird move just because they haven't hired a president. Yet. I, I love the fact that like the fans and media have shamed the Phillies into actually doing a legitimate front office search. Because they they said they had no intention of doing it, and they took so much criticism that they've decided to do it. So I, I think that's pretty funny, um, and I I think we should all I think we should all pat ourselves on the back because that's that's what essentially happened. The media and the fans shame the Phillies into doing a legitimate front office search. Why uh, do you say that? Because they, they said they weren't going to do it, and now all of a sudden they're interviewing Kingston, and they, they are going to try uh, to get okay. Theo okay. and all this stuff. So uh, that that's what I think, because Middleton, one thing we know about Middleton is he will cave to public pressure um, if you criticize him. Uh, so that's our quick little Sixers and Philly stuff. But we got to get to the, the football guy stuff from over the weekend, because it was a great weekend for football guys, Mike. Um, first off, did you see what happened in the Titans and Ravens game? Uh, on the drama on the field before the game? Did you see this or no? Would you like me to? I don't think you? I did. No. Well, too busy working. This is something that apparently is frowned upon. But the Titans came out and they like gathered on the uh, Ravens logo at midfield. And John Harbaugh came out and was like super offended and gotten a gotten a verbal confrontation with Malcolm Butler about it. He was very upset about it. And then after the game when the Ravens lost, uh, they go out to midfield. Vrabel goes to shake his hand, and and Harbaugh keeps yelling at him, "No thanks, no thanks," and walked off. So that they had a little tiff about. Uh, I don't know. I guess that's something you're not supposed to. do. Well, the, the Eagles used to do that, and right. then. Um... And then Ike, when he went to the Falcons, he told the Falcons, like, hey, the Eagles do this. We shouldn't let them do this. And so that's when Ike got tried or kicked out of that game. Kicked out of the game, yeah. Unbelievable. That was one of my first nights at college. 
uh, was that Falcons-Eagles game when Trotter got kicked out. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I thought that was a great football guy thing with Vrabel and Harbaugh getting in a fight over something stupid after the game. Um, Dabo Sweeney. He is who, such a football guy. This guy's just a moron. Where if, if Clemson and Florida State got canceled right before the game because, you know, we are in the middle of a pandemic and several games in college football every week are getting canceled. It just happens. Um, already, opening night on Wednesday night, college basketball, uh, a ton of things are happening, games getting canceled, teams pulling out of tournaments, all this stuff's going on. Did you see Tennessee? No. I, I, maybe I'm like missing part of the story, but they said, because Rick Barnes, who's one of their, just one coach, right. like nobody else has tested positive, they're canceling two games this week. Wow, they can't go without Rick Barnes yeah, like, and his sterling reputation of getting knocked out in the first round every single year with whoa, okay. Texas or Tennessee. Yeah, that guy's always underachieving. Um, but anyway, Dabo Sweeney, as this game gets canceled, he accused Florida State of making up their COVID issues because they were scared to play Clemson. I mean, seriously? like, And you know what, what he's mad at. He's mad because his team lost the game, and now he's trying to make up for it, so he's going to he was going to probably try to run up the score of Florida State and beat them by 50 so he can pad the stats now that he has Trevor Lawrence back. But uh, even if you feel that way, not a great idea to say that publicly, Dabo. And Dabo is one of the coronavirus deniers anyway. He said that from the beginning. That he doesn't think it's very serious. He's more of a football guy than he is a human guy. Yeah, he's. I think he was one of the guys who said we're going to like punch coronavirus in the mouth or something like that. Uh, true football guy thing. Okay. So that was another Dabo. That was Dabo Sweeney's issue. Um, now, Mike McCarthy. Uh, the Cowboys got a big win on Sunday. And Mike McCarthy had a interesting way of getting his team prepared for this game. Um, and here was NFL Network's Tom Pelissaro describing exactly what that was. Well, Red, if the Cowboys go on a run here, we might look back on this win over the Vikings as the sledgehammer game. Saturday night at the team hotel in a meeting in a ballroom, Mike McCarthy gets up at the front of the room and says, guys, I want to apologize. I don't think I did a good enough job emphasizing our objectives for the week, one of which was to hammer the ball out of Dalvin Cook's hands. At that point, McCarthy pulls out a sledgehammer, not a prop, a full sledgehammer that you can knock a wall down with, and someone rolls in a bunch of watermelons. Each one has a different objective written on it. McCarthy reads the objective, bam, smashes the watermelon. He goes down the row doing this. The players are roaring. McCarthy's pants are soaked. Finally gets to the watermelon with Dalvin Cook's picture on it. Demarcus Lawrence jumps up and goes, I got to get that one. He hands over the sledgehammer to Lawrence. He smashes that watermelon. Look what it translates to in the game yesterday. They played inspired. They played physical. Donovan Wilson, the safety, comes up with two of the biggest plays in that game. A strip sack on Kirk Cousins where he probably got away with helmet-to-helmet contact. And then that monster hit on Dalvin Cook that jarred the the ball loose. And it was recovered by none other than Demarcus Lawrence. Just like that, Cowboys back in the NFC East race and maybe, Rhett, finding their personality here. So is this all we need to do? Do we just need to get Carson uh, a couple watermelons to smash and all of a sudden he'll be back He'll be back in business here? No, he doesn't need to smash them. The coach does to, right. to hammer it home to him. Well, this, and this is, this, is, this is part of my argument for why when people say, oh, Carson's being hurt so bad by the coaching. Aaron Rodgers, that was his coach for a decade. That... Dope Mike McCarthy, who's smashing watermelons to get his team ready for a game. So uh, I, I I think if you're a good quarterback, you're a good quarterback. I don't think you necessarily need the best, uh, you know, rocket scientist coach. You know what? The, no, I I don't know. You're you you think that's a good McCarthy? Like you think that's you, a good method? You think that's gonna? I mean, hey, if the Cowboys go on to win the division, which they very well might, I, you know, hey, maybe maybe that's the new thing. Uh, when I heard that story, I thought of. How he uh, kind of fired them up to win the Super Bowl? Um, what did he pack. do to fire them up to win the, the night Super before? Bowl? The, you know, they had their final team meeting. He said, "Oh wait, guys, there's everyone come back. There's one more thing we need to do. We need to take everyone's ring size." Oh my god! 
<laughs> Mike McCarthy is the worst. It worked. They won. Uh, yeah, great. Yeah, okay. Well, that, that's Mike McCarthy's method for getting. Maybe Doug's got to try this before Monday night. Just get a, a watermelon with Russell, Mills, Russell Wilson's face on it and have, you know, Brandon Graham come up and Oops. smash it. Bring Brett Favre in again. Yeah, yeah, that'll go great. Yeah, Brett Favre's going to come in and talk to the team. How do you feel about that? Carson? He's going to start addressing Foles. Like, Wait, <laughs> yeah. where are you? Yeah. Um, okay, so that was that one. And now. This next one, I had to play this sound. This is maybe the best postgame speech I've ever heard, especially for a team that lost. Uh, but um, Indiana had probably the biggest college football game in the history of their program, at least that I can remember, because I can't remember them ever playing in a meaningful game before Saturday. But they they lost to Ohio State and Columbus 42-35. Um, they were down 35-7. to a uh, nice little one there, Mike. Uh, Ohio State minus ten and a half first half line wasn't bad, uh, but uh, you know, the good, good thing call. you took first yeah. half, not second half. But um, Indiana fought back. They end up losing forty two thirty five. But their head coach Tom Allen was fired up still after the game and very excited about his team. Here was Tom Allen to his team post game in the Indiana Hoosiers locker room. I want you to listen to me carefully. Eyes on me. We ain't feeling sorry for ourselves. No, we didn't play our best football. You know it and I know it. But you didn't quit. You didn't quit. You fought them. You got character. You got something to you. There's a lot of football to be played. A lot of football to be played. You understand me? Yes, sir. We ain't coming to be close. And I'm ticked off by the result. But I'm proud of you guys. Because you fought. And you fought, and you fought. You stay together. You understand me? Yes, sir. You stay together. This team is special. There's special things ahead of you. You understand me? Yes, sir. Special things ahead of you. That's the truth. So you stay together. I love this football team, man. You got no idea. Does it get any more of a football guy than that, Mike? What did you think of that speech? you like it? That was really good. Really good speech. I I love the end when he just like whists. He's like, I love this football team. (laughs) It's just so great. It's like he had a he had a moment of um like enlightenment like yeah wow he's scared I love love this football team but yeah that was uh, that that was just a great football guy speech that we we had to play (laughs) I like too when he goes uh, there's a lot of football left to be played (laughs) maybe there might be but there might not be any football last week in November like I don't (laughs) like there really isn't that much of the season left yeah and who knows with the virus in college there might not be any football left yeah right um but. Uh, so that was our football guy segment. And then to end the show, we got to contractually do our um, WIP fantasy update. This is a good one for you, though. Okay. I, I didn't I didn't even know I, I won because I, I stopped paying attention. Um, but this is not only a win for me. This is a very gratifying win for me because I beat um, the, the, the afternoon show producer. And for all intents and purposes, you've uh, you've knocked him out of playoff contention. He's done. Oh, that that is very gratifying. He's got the worst team name ever, too. The other Jack sucks. Like, okay, great. Um, so I, I beat the afternoon show producer. Who'd you beat, Mike? I beat Joe Gillio. Uh, okay. A really tight one. Uh, came Take- down to Mike Evans versus Cooper Cup in the end. Okay, well, we're taking out – we took out the former evening show duo. Yeah. Um, I'm on a run now just taking out all these – I've won four in a row now to save my season. I'm just I'm beating all the – all the hosts that come my come my way. Beat well, Ike, beat Julio. My only goal now is to jump uh, jump Fritz and get, get have him finish in the last place. Because yeah, you would have the tiebreaker. You're right. So I could I I could do that. So you know what the, you know what bodes well for me in, in my uh, seating hopes. What's that? I play you in week 13. Oh okay. Well uh, we'll see how that goes. I bet you'll win. Uh, so that'll do it for the show today. Thank you to Mike Angelina for producing. I'll be back Thanksgiving night midnight to two. Uh, that night, so a quick uh, two-hour show. I'll be back then. Um, next up, we'll talk to Al for the Overlap Show.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 